Hi everyone, it's Arye Borkov, the founder and CEO of LionTree. It's nice to be in front of you all again. When we started LionTree nearly five years ago, the company was built with my partners and our colleagues to share insights with you, develop ideas, and hopefully do some deals together. We constantly challenge ourselves to innovate, build new extensions of the company, whether it's geographically as we've been opening our offices in Europe and in Latin America, or to think about new products. One of those products or concepts is called Kindred. Kindred really represents all of you, an intimate private community of influencers in the TMT world. We can connect with each other, share insights, and fuel innovation. I also want to welcome you to a new extension of our Kindred platform. It's a podcast channel launched and fueled by LionTree called KindredCast, or KinCast for short. Today, I'm proud to share with you our premiere episode and hope that every two weeks, you will join us for half an hour of thematic insights, thoughtful interviews, and a bit of fun through our lens. Many of you already consume our LionTree weekly newsletter that you've seen come from our colleague, Leslie Mallon. And while we've always had hopes for its success, I'm thrilled with how well it's been received. We hope to remain your go-to source of valuable, relevant news synthesized for the TMT industry. So several months ago, the team here at LionTree got together and we decided to enhance that user experience and give you, the audience, more access and dynamic content that complements our LT Weekly. It's estimated that nearly a quarter of Americans, 12 years old and up, have listened to a podcast in the last month. Regular listeners consume at least five shows a week. In that spirit, in the weeks and months ahead, you can count on KindredCast to deliver insights, interviews, topical debates, and some fun. Whether you're on your way to work, out on a jog, sitting in the back of a self-driving car, having a coffee in the morning on a Saturday, or wherever you listen to your favorite audio, which we hope will be on Kindred, our app. Thank you, as always, for being part of our family. You are our Kindred. Thank you, Arya, for that introduction. My name is Aviva Rumani, and consider me your guide to Lion Tree and Kindred. Here's what's happening in our debut episode. First, we're going to get some quick hits from Leslie Mallon, who's the brains behind the Lion Tree Weekly Newsletter. Next, as you know, we at Lion Tree love quizzes, and so we'll challenge you with a custom quiz question, courtesy of Jeremy Adam. Stay tuned to the end of the episode for the answer and some insights. Then we'll hear the premiere of The Four Questions, our featured interview between our CEO, Arie, and Scooter Braun, superstar manager, investor, and friend of the firm. And finally, we'll hear from Lion Tree's own Austin Crichton as he shares some insights from the street with Kindling, our section devoted to the trends and themes bubbling up in the growth subsectors of TMT. So let's get to it. Leslie Mallon, the brains behind our weekly newsletter, is here to give her perspectives on the trends shaping the public markets. Hi, this is Leslie Mallon. I head LionTree's public markets business, and here are the TMT quick hits. As expected, rates were hiked for the third time this cycle, so it was hard to ignore the macro. It brings to mind the old adage, three steps in a stumble, meaning that historically, markets can tend to sell off after the third rate hike in a cycle. In reality, though, the impact of a Fed tightening cycle can vary, and there are a lot of other moving parts. As is becoming common with this administration, history may in fact not be the best gauge. Now, focusing on fundamentals, two important key themes. Number one, the wireless wars in the U.S. remain front and center, and the bar keeps moving up. Number two, the battleground regarding the autonomous and connected car is just getting started. So on the wireless wars, we all know that T-Mobile has led the industry with its unlimited offering and the rest of the operators have been forced to follow, perhaps begrudgingly. 
Most recently, we've seen the following. Verizon has experienced a huge migration within their base to their new unlimited plan when it launched mid-February. Management contends that it's in line with their plan and will not be dilutive. But what does it mean for ARPU? We'll have to see how that plays out. Feeling the impact, Sprint guided for churn in Q1 to be flat sequentially, which is worse than their original guidance for a five basis point sequential improvement. Management highlights the view that these unlimited plans are not sustainable in the long term and will need to see pricing increase to support it. And while T-Mobile took a hit when Verizon launched Unlimited, with porting ratios going negative, they have since come back up. Timo keeps raising the bar and just increased the limit of its monthly threshold of data usage before throttling speeds on its unlimited plans from 28 gigs to 30 gigs, higher than AT&T, Verizon, and Sprint's level at 22 to 23 gigabit. My bet is that Timo keeps the pressure on its peers, and in general, Unlimited puts more pressure on the networks. This continues to feed into investor speculation that Verizon needs to make a strategic move to secure more spectrum. And now let's move to the next technology and communication frontier. That's right, the car. Partnerships are being struck left and right, but the ante is moving up. Last October, Qualcomm acquired auto chip supplier NXP Semiconductor for a huge $47 billion, which has put pressure on Intel to act, which it clearly did with the $15 billion acquisition of Mobileye. Why would they pay a high price of 61 times 2017 estimated earnings? Data. Intel sees cars as data centers on wheels, generating as much as four terabits of data per day. That's a lot of data to process, and that's where Intel's expertise comes into play. Intel missed the boat on wireless, and they don't want to miss the next boat. Net-net, this is just the beginning of the race to own the car. I'd certainly expect more deals to be on the way. Each show will wrap up with a key fact or figure. Today's is regarding retail square footage. According to Macy's CEO, Terry Lundgren, there is 7.3 square feet per capita of retail square footage in the U.S. versus 1.7 in France and Japan and 1.3 in the U.K. What does it mean? From my perspective, while we have already seen a dramatic increase in store closings in the U.S., we may still be in the very early innings. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. You know, at Lion Tree, we love our quizzes. So here's Jeremy Adam with this week's quiz question. This week, it was announced that Amazon will be acquiring Souk, the Arab region's biggest e-commerce player, for $650 million. The transaction ends a nine-month sale process as the company's backers Tiger Global and Naspers sought an exit. What is the largest acquisition that Amazon has made to date? A, $5.5 billion. B, $2.6 billion. C, $970 million. Or D, $650 million. Aria recently caught up with Scooter Braun, artist manager, investor, and one of Time Magazine's 100 most influential people in the world. He leads the careers of Justin Bieber, Kanye West, and Ariana Grande, as part of his diversified media company, SP Projects. We're excited to have him debut our new feature, The Four Questions. 
One of the many goals of Kindred Cast or KinCast is to illuminate different and special stories of business builders and entrepreneurs within our community to hopefully benefit us all and to share ideas and insights in a kindred spirit. And we look forward to having many others featured. Scooter is quite special, not only because of his vast accomplishments and being a close friend, but because he's our first and quite a suitable choice as I like to think we are building our businesses in similar ways, which we're going to talk about. Scooter, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. I'm going to start off by reading Scooter's mission statement, which I found to be creative and interesting and very pointed. Quote, our goal is to create an environment where a fear and failure are nothing more than rest stops on the road to success. We want to motivate people to find their path to purpose and execute on it. We want to turn excitement into movement. We want to create reality from our dreams. We want a young person to wake up in the morning and realize that they have meaning. And that meaning has worth. What is our goal? Our goal is to inspire the world to try, end quote. So thanks for being here. I have a few standard KinderCast questions. I'm ready. That I'm going to throw at you. Um, so first, You guys can't see us, but I'm in a t-shirt and shorts and a pair of Yeezys, and REA is looking quite dapper. <laughs> quite dapper. He's No like, tie. No tie, but just smooth as hell right now. <laughs> <laughs> I, envy, uh, I envy your garb. <laughs> thanks. <laughs> okay, first of all... Um, how do you think the company is going to evolve in the next 10 years? We have great EBITDA now. I think the EBITDA will grow, but we're going to have to become more of an asset-driven business. I think that we've been developing that and doing more and more of it over the years, but we're still a tremendous service business. I learned from Jimmy Iovine that you can take that ability to be close to culture and turn it into real products. So I think that we'll play in the asset world from publishing assets to the label assets that we're building to even products, consumer products, gaming. I think we'll go more into that space and we'll develop. I think as content becomes more and more valuable, you know, we just launched our digital studio and we'll keep working in that space. And I actually think we will play a much more active role in social issues and activism because I just feel like that's something important to me because you can make all the money in the world, but you know, I got kids now. I got a responsibility. And you have the platform. Absolutely. I see a framed picture on your wall that uh, has four words on it. Imagine, create, execute and deliver. What are those about? That was a gift. I used to have a T-Mobile sidekick when I was in college building my business as a party promoter. I made this tagline because I was like, that's how I do things. I imagine, then I create, then I execute, then I deliver. And that was my tagline on all my emails to this day for years. And my buddy liked it and he like made that for me as a gift when we opened our first office. The execution part is so key. That's the no substitution for hard work. The imagine is nothing reasonable ever became great only unreasonable things became great. And that's Will Smith said that. I loved it. You got to think big. And differently. Yeah. You got to be a little bit of a contrarian. Yeah, completely. Be unreasonable. Me and Kanye had a conversation this morning and I said, we need to be thoughtful, but we need to be unreasonable. And he was like, perfect. <laughs> he loves unreasonable. <laughs> then you have to create. Then you have to get out there and make a plan. Then you have to execute, which is the hard work. It takes time. And you got to just be relentless and burn the ships, which you've heard me talk about in the past. The soldiers used to arrive on the shores of their enemy and the generals would say, burn the ships. And these soldiers would watch their only way home burn in front of them. And they knew the only way to get home was to win that battle and take the other person's ships. And I think that's the execution. There's no stop. And then there's the final one, which is deliver. Got to deliver. Got to be consistent. The lesson that's taken me the longest to learn, yet I find to be the most valuable is the power of standing still. I always thought you need to react to everything. I, I was raised by a tough European refugee who grew up in Queens. Actually, my dad taught me how to fight. 
my reaction always was punch him in the face. You come mess with me, I'll come right back at you. You know, at 35 years old, I have a very different outlook now. Sometimes you have to react, sometimes you have to set a tone, but it's a very powerful thing to be able to completely stand still in a conflict because people don't know what to do. And you actually let them play out all their moves right in front of you, and then you know when to strike. Okay, aside from your own, which company in, in the world of media and technology do you most admire? Disney. I mean, Disney's just like the all-time greatest. Because once you also understood everything that Disney owns from ESPN to Marvel, the reason I love Disney so much is they make you feel good. When you see that Disney logo, when you see anything Disney, you feel, I can bring my kids to this. I can be a part of this. The other company I would talk about, which I admire a tremendous amount, is Facebook. I have a huge amount of respect for Mark Zuckerberg because, one, he's a brilliant young guy that he doesn't even remember or realize this, but I was the guy who wrote him when it was the Facebook and Emory was one of the first eight schools. And me and Eduardo negotiated for 10% of Facebook for 100 grand because I was the biggest college party promoter in the country. And Eduardo wrote me an email I still have that says, hey, Mark wants to launch 36 more schools in two weeks. Unfortunately, we're not taking any investment this time. Peter Thiel put in a million bucks for 10% a year later. And I remember when I saw the news with Peter Thiel, I was like, oh, my God, I could have made a million (laughs) dollars. So I can't say that I really knew what was going on. But the reason I admire him so much is people don't realize that when they IPO'd, they were not a mobile company. They were a desktop company. They had an awful mobile experience. No one used Facebook on their phones. And they're IPOing for all this money, but they're not the future. They transitioned quickly. But it's because of Mark. Mark went into a meeting, and I've heard this story many times, and it's something I implemented in my company. Mark went in and said, unless you can show me presentation on my phone, I'm not going to look at it. I won't look at your PowerPoints. You need to show me on my phone. And they were like, okay, great. Two weeks later, his CMO comes in with everybody, and they start showing PowerPoint, and he literally walks out. And they're like, what the hell? And he's like, get out. I don't want he said, unless you can show me my phone. And every presentation had to go on the phone. And that company transitioned to mobile overnight because they had no choice but to do so because it starts from the top down. And you can ask anyone in this office, we do not do presentations on screens. You have to show me on my phone. I stole it from Mark. All of our videos, I don't want to watch it on the big screen. They're like, if you see it on the big screen with the big speakers, then I don't care. I want to see it how the consumer sees it. And I see everything on my phone because of that lesson from Mark Zuckerberg. The third one, if you don't mind me throwing a third one no, in there, these are great. I respect Richard Branson so much. You know, been an incredible entrepreneur. It's more so how he carries himself. I've had the honor of getting to know his daughter, Holly, really, really well, and I know Sam, his son. The way his children speak about him, I hope my boys speak about me the same way someday. From being your friend and being a collaborator and obviously knowing your family and seeing you on Instagram, you are leading by example in those ways. Last question I have is, bigger picture, go macro for a minute. Which societal issues facing the world are you really getting behind now? I think recently what I've decided is to pick the issues that don't stop us from talking to each other as quickly. There's complicated issues. I think when people talk about pro-choice versus abortion, they don't even fathom the fact that a lot of people who believe in pro-choice aren't against abortion. They just want women to have a right to choose but you don't even get to have that conversation because people see red before you can get there. When you talk about guns, I've had an opportunity to talk to um, Gabby Gifford and her husband, Mark Kelly. Mark, like me, believes that people should have guns. Mark owns multiple guns, but he's one of the biggest advocates out there for gun control. But when you start talking about guns, people they see red, they can't see it. Things we can talk about that people can discuss are corruption and injustice. 
those are things we can start with. People can get read about immigration, but we need to talk about it. My dad's a refugee in this country. I can't ignore that. I can't ignore people that can't speak for themselves. I'll discuss early education for children because I think that that needs to get a lot better. And if we actually understand that we're all in it together to make sure our children get a proper education and get opportunities, we can start having conversations respectfully and saying, hey, I may disagree with you on this, but I'll acknowledge part of what you're saying. Let me tell you what I'm saying and have an open dialogue. We've forgotten how to do that. I think the number one thing before I can talk to issues is I want to use my platform to show people how to have a conversation again. I think you want to wake up in the morning and have people have to have a meeting and that meeting that has worth. Yeah. And that's your, from your mission statement. And you certainly want to inspire people to try, which I think you're doing right now with all of us. So I appreciate your being here and I love your perspective. I hope to uh, watch you grow the company for a very long time as your friend and as your admirer and obviously as uh, your business partner. Thank you, Scooter. Now Lion Tree's Austin Cryden will bring us up to speed with what his generation is obsessing about in today's kindling. What's for lunch? That's certainly a big question here each day at Lion Tree. In the ever-expanding world of on-demand delivery, we've seen a proliferation in apps and services like Postmates, Uber Eats, Maple, Munchery, Sprig, and many more. Sweetgreen is a fast casual restaurant chain focused on healthy, organic, and locally sourced salads, bowls, and juices. It was founded in 2007 in Washington, D.C. by three Georgetown students. Ten years down the road, Sweetgreen has 64 locations, with 30 more anticipated for 2017. The location near our offices has had overflow lines even throughout this terrible New York winter. Guests don't just go to a Sweetgreen, they go to their Sweetgreen. The company seeks out distinctive locations and preserves the structure of each building. It's not just a restaurant offering healthy fare, it's a lifestyle brand that traffics in sustainable food, music, and community service. They also innovate the consumer experience, pledging to go cashless nationwide this year in order to shorten their legendary lines. Early testing of this service saw up to a 15% increase in transaction volumes where this was an option. The Sweetgreen app has grown 95% in usage over the past year, and the app allows customers to order in advance for quicker pickups, as well as pay in-store. Roughly a third of the business is now run through the app, which is a significantly higher proportion than the Starbucks app, according to Bloomberg. But don't just take my word for it. Sweetgreen has now raised over $130 million from investors such as Revolution Growth, T. Rowe Price, and food industry veterans Danny Meyer, David Chang, and Mario Batali, to name a few. So thanks for listening to this first installment of Kindling. So now it's time to see if you got Jeremy's quiz question right. Jeremy? What is the largest acquisition that Amazon has made to date? A, $5.5 billion, B, $2.6 billion, C, $970 million, or D, $650 million? And the answer is C, $970 million. With a market cap of over $400 billion, Amazon's largest acquisition to date, Twitch, a popular internet video channel for broadcasting and watching esports, was valued at $970 million. In addition to Twitch and Souk, other acquisitions include Zappos, $928 million, Kiva Systems, $775 million, Exchange.com, $645 million, and Quidsy, $545 million. 
That's it for the debut of Kindred Cast. Hope you enjoyed it. You can hear the show first through the Kindred app or check it out on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Since we're a new show, throw us a little love on iTunes or on Kindred. See you back here in two weeks for our next KinCast. Audiation.